Welcome back. Best Coast Boys come storming back. And I do mean storming, John, because it is rainy and terrible outside. It is rainy and terrible outside all across the country. There are snow blizzards. There are cold snaps. But here... Definitely don't look outside my house at the incredibly blue skies. Shh, then. That's that's the that's why they call it the best coast, guys. That's why they call it the best coast because the worst that happens to us, it's a light rain, really. So, uh, I am your host, Landon McCool. Uh, you can find me here uh, and on Twitter at McCoolBCB, and uh, I'm also a co-host of the Locked On Cowboys podcast with Marcus Mosier. That other voice you hear, you may not recognize because it's been so long. Uh, but fi- Mr. Chill, yeah, Mr. Chill, as he has been called, <laughs> chilling with McCool and the Chill. Uh, we 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 may have to have a rebrand coming up pretty soon. Um, no, that other voice you you probably don't recognize is uh, John Owning, a uh, triumphantly returning to the West Coast after a stint. Uh, in the uh, in the South Coast is what I guess you call Mobile. Oh, somehow, somehow made it back. Thank, thank well, John, you. tell everyone uh, what's up and, and who you are and where to find you. How's it going, everybody? John Owning, in case you guys forgot, uh, <laughs> at John Owning on Twitter, J-O-H-N-O-W-N-I-N-G. Make sure you check out all my work at the Dallas Morning News. We're going through free agents right now, potential free agents coming out for the Cowboys. So this whole week I've been diving into different ways to attack Free agents that the Cowboys could be excited about could potentially target, given some circumstances that could happen. And yeah, make sure we're gonna be diving full into the draft. Oh we yeah, got free agency coming up, so much fun stuff. We got all the off the field fun stuff, like Good Place, Marvel. We got two big movies coming up in the mm-hmm. next couple months. I'm excited. We got we got a lot of stuff coming up in the off season. So we ha- are continuing on. I know people have been asking, but. Uh, yes, we will we'll trudge ahead into the off season. Uh, we are going to continue to do uh, some non-football stuff that that has been put to the wayside because of football stuff being so intense lately. But because of things being a little bit more uh, few and far between, we will definitely be doing some catch-up stuff on the good place, which just finished up. And man, John hasn't John John hasn't caught all the way up, so so I won't spoil anybody. One but behind. it's but it's been fan- it was a fantastic season. Uh, so we'll catch up on that. We'll definitely catch up with more Marvel stuff as uh, the you know, Captain Marvel gets closer and closer. But today, again, and I know no one's going to be upset about this, we've got a lot of football to talk about. Uh, and actually, we're going to do things a little bit backwards today uh, in, I guess, a, a normal order. We're going to start with some football over us overall stuff and then kind of make our way into the Cowboys specifically. Uh, but first, I wanted to talk to John about uh, his trip to the Senior Bowl. And, and before that, we got a Super Bowl to talk about. What? Super Bowl. All right, so <laughs> Super Bowl talk. Yes, and the reason that obviously we we you know we've been giving you guys kind of our weekly updates or what's going on around the league outside of Dallas, uh, and you know the ratchet matchups and that sort of thing. This week, obviously, there's only one matchup to discuss, and it's the big one. Uh, and of course, it's very still very on brand because it uh, involves the Los yeah. Angeles Rams here from the West Coast. So, um, John, I guess. You know, they, 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 we this we've been already through almost a a, a week of this and of of just describing, um, you know what the the matchups between these two teams and 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 you know what's all, all the different storylines and all that, uh, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we got a lot of other stuff to talk about. But uh, as it stands right now, what what's what are the interesting angles for you? In the Super Bowl, I, I, we don't necessarily need to talk about you know who's going to win or whatever, but let's let's talk about some of the interesting football storylines you think uh, uh, are going to happen uh, this Sunday in the Super Bowl. One thing that I'm most looking forward to is seeing how uh, Patriots offensive line coach Dante Scarnecchia attacks uh, Aaron Donald. I, for those of you that don't know, Dante Scarnecchia is probably wouldn't you say the best offensive line coach he's, in the NFL? He's one hundred percent in the conversation. Two, yeah, for sure, without a doubt. Top three. He's amazing. So I'm really excited to see what type of blocking schemes that he uses 
to attack Aaron Donald. If the people that don't follow the Patriots don't know, they use a lot of a lot of wham, a lot of traps. They use a lot of uh, unique blocking schemes to take out uh, to take out uh, it, defensive tackles, defensive ends, edge defenders, all types of fun stuff. He he's gonna have a couple of fun wrinkles, I'm sure, in this yeah. game. And I'm excited to see how Aaron Donald, who's, in my opinion, the best defender on the planet, how he combats those. And I think it's going to be a really fun little chess match between those two. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty hard to argue that for what he's asked to do, Aaron Donald is probably the best football player in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I mean, just just as far as job requirement and job fulfillment, uh, he's he's pretty amazing. So uh, and Scarnetti, I mean, of of all things that he's probably the best at at scheme and, and designing protections and that sort of thing, like those are the kind of things that I feel like, you know, where his strength really lies. I mean, the guy mm-hmm. has just plug and played a number of different offensive linemen over the years. I mean, I, I think I saw the ridiculous stat about all the right tackles that uh, that that uh, Tom Brady has dealt with. Uh, yeah, it's just I mean, look at the development that he's done with Shaq Mason. Shaq Mason was a guy coming out who was extremely raw coming out of that Georgia Tech option offense, had no idea how to pass protect. And now he's one of the better guards in the NFL. Yeah, it, it uh, it's it's unbelievable um, how much he's done with so little. So uh, it's it you know that is definitely going to be one of the schemes. And, and really, I mean, not just you know Donald, but that whole defensive line. I mean, Sue really, yeah, Sue. Sue really kicked it up. I mean, I mean that that was the thing we talked about. You know how before the game against the Cowboys that we weren't necessarily. You know, terrified of Sue just because his play had not been kind of up to Indomitian Sue levels, but he really has just there now. he's definitely turned it on <laughs> in, the, in the playoffs for sure, and, and so um, that's something to, to to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, you know, I think that for me, it's it's you know, I I had first of all, just I'm I'm, I'm excited to get the Eagles just not being Super Bowl champions anymore. Um, oh, one of the things that was surprising to me, and I'm sure was obviously surprising to the rest of the world, was, uh, you know, the, the the they get down to the end of the game. Tom Brady's got the football. There's, you know, it's Tom Brady time to go down there and score, uh, and it didn't happen, you know. And so I, I guess my question is, how much of that Brady magic is still left in the in the Super Bowl? Um, how, what is how is it going to look against the, really the chess game between Tom Brady? His offense and Wade Phillips, I think, is going to be kind of fascinating in general. I don't, I think their defense has a uh, a lot of names on it that uh, you, you that are well known, and and I think that's not the thing that makes that defense formidable. I think you know Aaron Donald obviously is, but uh, outside of him, I think the thing that makes the the scheme so formidable is, is Wade Phillips' design and 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 how he is able to scheme free rushers, uh, and and pressure and create pressure for uh, quarterbacks to have to deal with. Tom Brady is probably the best in the league, maybe the best of all time in dealing with pressure. So uh, it, it it'll be interesting to see that kind of chess match of uh, who can apply the most pressure to these offenses and and get them off their track. You know, it's it's Wade Phillips applying pressure to Brady's face. Uh, versus uh, Belichick taking away the Rams' best weapon. You know, those two kind yeah. of defensive philosophies and which one's going to work best against uh, very difficult-to-stop playoff offenses. Mm-hmm. What? Um, real quick, last thing before we go. What What do you think is going to – when we're, this game is over and, and all said and done, give me one element that you feel like we will be talking about more post-game – then I think that then the general consensus is talking about pregame. What what will be one thing that will surprise us about the, that happens in this game that that uh, you know most people aren't talking about right now? You know, sticking with the with the trench, but I think it's really going to come down to the offensive line play. I think both teams have an above average offensive line given their personnel and scheme, and I think the winner of the game is going to come down to which offensive line dominates the line of scrimmage. I think Jared Goff is the type of quarterback who. When you keep him clean, he's actually one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. But when he's facing pressure, he's actually one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So if the Rams offense can do a good job keeping Jared Goff clean and he's able to pick the Patriots defense apart, I think that's the thing we're going to be talking about most is the Rams' ability, the Rams' offensive line's ability to let Jared Goff succeed. You know, 
The Rams did a lot. They went through free agency a lot to improve their offensive line. So I think if they show a lot of success in the Super Bowl, you're going to see a lot more teams be be more uh, be more aggressive in free agency toward, especially offensive. I I tend to think that the the thing that isn't being discussed a lot and probably should be being discussed more is the Patriots run game. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you know. Sony Michelle and James White, uh, like I think, are going to specifically have a good games against this defense. I think it's possible, and I think that that's something that you know. I, I read an interesting article about how you know Belichick's defensive uh, genius is not is is not that difficult. It's just that he's figured out that no one is willing to be patient t- to run the ball in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and that's how he's won all these times. And and I think that that may ring true here is that. You know, McVeigh is a first-time uh, 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 coach in a, in a in the Super Bowl, um, and when things get tight, you want to kind of go back to uh, the passing game, which is what they have had success. But I think both of these teams have uh, have found success or have relied on the run in ways that are not always so straightforward to see. You know, and I think that in the playoffs the team that finds the way to and the patience to be able to run the ball and, and get the benefits of that will find a way to win because they'll have multiple paths to victory. Whereas I think the losing team will panic, try to get into a pass only mode. And then suddenly you're making a mistake that costs you the game. So that's my guess. Who knows if that's how it turns out. Uh, anything else on uh, the Super Bowl before we talk about uh, other stuff? Go Rams! Don't yeah. let the Patriots get their six. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely go Rams on this one as well, um, <laughs> for sure. I mean, how can you root against Aaron Donald and Wade Phillips against Tom Brady? I mean, I could root against Jared Goff though. He just seems kind of yeah. slightly annoying. Just slightly. I could root against him just because he went to Berkeley, which is where my wife. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Like this feels like there's some <laughs> some deep personal stuff that you shouldn't be bringing up on the podcast. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's let's talk about your Senior Bowl experience. So we we discussed yeah. you with you a little bit uh, on the pod and on both of our pods uh, the mobile mobile. Uh, situation now. Unfortunately, you, you kind of got screwed out of a whole day of practice because of the weather. Yes. Um, but let's just talk to us generally about you know the whole experience, like going down there, you know, and then the, you know what the whole, getting in there, the the camaraderie, because that's a lot of it too, is just seeing everybody, and you know we we kind of are part of a of a large community of you know of people that casually know each other through Twitter. Uh, and, 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 you know, when you go to these kind of things or like when I went to the draft last year, it's like you kind of get to put faces to all these people that you've mm-hmm. spoken to through social media for years. So talk to me about the whole experience a little bit and, and, and what you kind of gleaned from it. Yeah, it's an interest. Mobile is an interesting town. You know, it's kind of a little little city. The, the downtown's really, really tiny. Yeah. So it's not really. It's not really made to fit all the thousands of people that descend upon it this every week for Mobile, so there's not a ton of stuff to do besides really talk football. A lot of people go out to the bars and drink and just just have fun and hang out, like you said, with the people that you've talked to on Twitter uh, 350 days a year, and then finally one week a year you get to see, see their face, you get to talk to them, you get to s- just get to know them as a person, you know, and it's a really interesting experience that when you're talking to these people, like I'm sitting with guys like Matt Waldman, Gene Brammel for dinner, and then guys like Steve Atwater, the Broncos great safety comes by and says hello and checks in with Cecil Lammy and other types of guys. And then you see Dan Marino up coming off the elevator and you see John away in the sky box. You see Jerry Jones walking around. You see all these different personalities, all these different executives. And it really, to me, it really humanizes them and it makes and it really understands that these people are just people too, just like us. They're just doing a different job and it just really humanizes them and it makes you understand that they're not infallible, that they make mistakes too, that even though they have t- a ton of more football experience and they have all of this other on-hand job experience, that they are still have the same faults that everybody else yeah. has. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's always an it- I mean. I don't want to. I don't want to name names, but after years of going there, this is my fourth trip. You will hear people that you think know un, untold amounts about football, and they will spout off some of the stupidest opinions. <laughs> 
about things that you like, like the whole the thing. Jim Nagy got a lot of got a, a lot of negative attention while we were down there because he was talking about how offensive tackles and arm length and how you can't have an offensive tackle if he doesn't meet these arm length thresholds. But as that has been proven time and time again over recent years, his arm length isn't that big of a measurement baseline that you need to go to. There are much more important things like footwork, hand timing, uh, set points, ability to vary up his set points, all these different traits that are important, but over than arm length. But you still see that this, just the, just because he was part of a, a team scout for 16 or so years doesn't mean that he's not wrong about certain things or doesn't have uh, outdated ideologies yeah, about football. Sure. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about, you know, meeting anyone that, you know, you have a preconceived notion of. You know, look, I mean, I live in Hollywood, so I, we've, I've yeah. run into or seen celebrities a lot, and, yeah, it's that experience of you knew it before, but just mm-hmm. seeing them out, like, you know, going to get frozen yogurt or with their kids, it's like, oh, yeah, these are just human beings that you know, his face happens to be on television. So, and you and you think that every scout knows everything oh my about, God. Every, yeah, about every position, exactly. but the key, but they're just like anybody else. They have strengths and their weaknesses. Like me, I'm somebody who re, I feel like my strength is evaluating the trench, the offensive defensive line. When you ask me to evaluate maybe wide receivers or quarterbacks, it's not going to be as thorough or as, I'm not going to feel as confident in my analysis. And that's the same with scouts. Some people you know, are fantastic with quarterbacks, but they could not tell you what an offensive tackle needs to do on a on a short set against a fast against a speedy defensive end. These type of things, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses, and not everybody is as well rounded as they are portrayed in the media. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's it. It just kind of it. That's the whole thing about social media in general, and not even just with celebrities, with everybody, is that it puts a glean on everyone and and doesn't exactly show the, the reality of who those people are. So yeah. uh, let's before we get into this, will kind of lead into some Cowboys talk. Talk to me about some of the guys that you saw like on the field and in the, in the mm-hmm. opportunities that you had that impressed you and or maybe some guys who you saw that had the opposite effect that you walked away uh, less impressed with. Yeah, the, from the wide receiver position, the two guys that really stood out to me for the Cowboys were uh, wide receivers Penny Hart from Georgia State and Hunter Renfro from Clemson. Just because I think that they can fulfill that kind of slot res- that slot spot that Cole Beasley is like could uh, leave open if he leaves for greener pastures in free agency. I think especially Penny Hart is the type of guy who could step right in and contribute immediately from the slot. He has the speed. He has the quickness. He accelerates out of his breaks. He knows how to create separation. He knows how to tell a story with his releases and his stems to, so that he can create those opportunities to create separation. He's fantastic in all those situations. And then Hunter Renfro is kind of that late round, maybe priority free agent, maybe sixth or seventh round guy who's he's reliable as a punt. He's very Cole Beasley-like in his ability to be reliable as a punt returner. He has really soft hands. He's going to catch things everywhere above his frame, outside his frame, through contact, all those types of things. He's a... He's a good route runner. He knows he understands how to use releases and stuff, but he's just not that fantastic of an athlete. Unlike Beasley, who's actually a pretty impressive yeah. athlete. He win Renfro wins with technique and refined route running. And that is something I think that would uh, allow him to translate into the slot position for the Cowboys pretty well, even though I think Penny Hart would be the better option out of the two. And then other guys, one guy that really stood out to me was uh Offensive tackle Chuma Idoga, I think I talked about him yeah. last week with us on the podcast. He was really, really stood out playing left tackle this week with his footwork, his hand timing, his length. All of that stuff are the exact traits that you would look for for the Cowboys to kind of develop a swing tackle, somebody who can back up both Tyron and Lyle. And then outside of that, uh, defensive interior defensive lineman, the two guys that really impressed me the most were Daylon Mack and Kalen Sanders. Daylon Mack, he's that really traditional one tech who's going to be able to occupy blocks, reset the line of scrimmage, keep his linebackers clean so they can flow to the ball. Uh, Kalen Sanders, on the other hand, is the type of guy who's who can do that. He's not as good. His hand technique, his hand placement, his pad level can still go awry at times, awry at times. But he brings a little bit more of a pass rush ability, a little bit more of a backfield disruption ability. He can... He's a little bit quicker off the snap. He employs a little bit more of a wide variety of techniques to disrupt, to beat blocks. So in those two situations, I think he would 
he would ideally be the type of guy who could play one and three for you on the interior, the one and three technique defensive tackle positions. And he's a guy that maybe is a round three or maybe possibly if you really want him, you grab him late round two. Okay, and I think that's uh, uh, a, a good spot to kind of transition this conversation into what the Cowboys are looking for specifically in the offseason. And I think we could talk about not just the draft, but free agency overall. You, you also just released a, an article on Dallas Morning News, like you mentioned earlier, about uh, five potential uh, free agents that, that, uh, that could be someone something to target. So everyone should definitely check that out for sure. Yes, read Dallas Morning News. Um, but so let's let's you know let's save the 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 spoilers for the actual clicking for the guys to click. Go click the article yes. if you want the five names, yes. guys. Click, click and then print it but, out. But give it to your grandma yeah, exactly. with the link so she she's got to click, click it, it though, John. So she printing it out is not really going to help. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. With the link, oh yes, gotta, yes, and then yes, she can type it in. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly on her tablet, yeah. There we go. On her, <laughs> on her cricket. Um, <laughs> so so let's talk about. You know, like I said, we don't need to bring into the specific names that you brought up in the, in the article, but let's talk about some of the needs you feel like that are going in uh, to the Cowboys offseason you know, that the Cowboys have to face. I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would say that, and I think I'm not. This is kind of uh, circulating from a couple people's opinions that the Cowboys, you know, roster right now is probably at as best a place as it has been going into an offseason as I can remember. I mean, it's young. There's not a lot of. There's needs. not huge needs. There's not like a crippling need. That's like, I, there's there needs to be a, a general, you know, I- I- increase in talent for sure. I think that they're they, you know they could use a couple more players if they're if they're going to take that next step. You know, part of that is going to be a little bit more talent increase. You know, some coaching changes, which we'll talk about and, and that sort of thing. Um, but as far as like, you know, hey, they can't even run a offense or a defense without this position they, they don't have that huge hole so keeping that in mind like where are the areas that you feel like let's 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 talk about it this way where are the areas that the cowboys need to improve and tell me which with each of those positions so like let's say defensive tackle is if you list defensive tackle, is that an area that you think is better improved in free agency or in draft, and why? So let's 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 talk one. about that. So let's come up with some spots first, and then we'll talk okay. about whether it, it it's more prudent to look into the draft or free agency for a solution. So uh, give me a position the the position you think is the top of the of the list. Well, I think it's the position that I DM'd you and Marcus about last yeah. week. I think the under tackle position is is the number one need on this team. Uh, and and explain briefly. Well, first of all, let's just let's just kind of give some history there. Go into the season this year expecting that David Irving would play in some capacity. I mean, I think obviously we were all, you know thrown for a loop by what happened with him preseason and 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 uh, g- checking into a facility or whatever was going on with him and de- you know kind of dealing with a whole bunch of Aussies but but I think that all of us expected that it would eventually subside he would join the team and and that you know like we would get David Irving for at least a period of time during the season which ultimately didn't happen you know I mean that we really only got him for two games and you know he kind of dominated those two games but uh, you know, yeah but i mean but unfortunately i think it's i mean just especially the way things ended it's pretty clear that i don't know if like i don't even know if david irving's playing football next year yeah that, like that i really have the thing is they've all gone radio silent everybody that i usually talk to about what is going on with david they've all gone radio silent and it seems there's just there's an unknown factor with him i wouldn't if you told me that David Irving was in a Cowboys uniform next year, starting at the under tackle position, I wouldn't be surprised. And if you told me he was out of football doing whatever he has to do to pay his bills, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I, I it's, it's weird. It's very weird. And what's really weird is, uh, is when I was in Dallas watching one of the games because, you know, I was there for the holidays. 
they have local commercials with David Irving in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to see him in those commercials. Yeah. Still running as, you know, the season's going on. And, yeah. you know, dude hasn't played in like four weeks and not because of injury. So, uh, but anyways, let's get back into it. So defensive tackle, under tackle, you know, they go into the season kind of already pre-hobbled. The good news is that clearly they had Crawford who could give you some good snaps mm-hmm. there. They had Collins who they like a lot there. And I still like Collins a lot, but I think that mm-hmm. maybe – what it is is that Collins needs to be that second under tackle, that yeah, rotational exactly. guy, because I think he gives you really great snaps on a limited basis. And I think that the longer he's on the field, the more he tends to be exposed. Um, I think we've we've seen from him. I think he, we've had enough uh, sn- seen enough snaps from him in his career that we that we know he's never going to become that kind of ass kicker defensive tackle that, that the Cowboys really need at that un- starting under tackle position. But he's been good enough that it's yes. made us question it, right? It's it's made us like mm-hmm. wonder. He's like on the precipice on it, yeah. yeah. So and and that's good enough to keep. Like that's not like oh mm-hmm. he isn't that dude. Let's throw him away. No, let's hold on to him and and yeah, he could be a rotation. Remember, dude was a what was he a third or a fourth round yeah. draft pick? I'd say he's exactly what you expect from a third yeah. Or a fourth he's round draft starter pick. level, but but, a, the, yes. but the problem is we want more than that there, you know, because mm-hmm. that this this is a position that is supposed to be even more than defensive end, like the the engine of the defense, you know, that there the scheme is designed. To to get this guy one-on-one matchups inside. So we yeah. need someone who's taking advantage of it. So I agree. I think it's a it's a huge need. Uh, and I think it will take this defense. If we can get someone, you know, of very good substance there, uh, I think it will transform. If we had David Irving playing that spot healthy 16 games, can you imagine what this defense would be like? Oh, oh. So don't, don't, don't even. Don't so even I, I mean, that's just it. my point. Is that I think that they're they're adding talent. There is you're getting the most bang for your buck because it's going to go the furthest towards helping your defense. So uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Where do you think offense? I mean, uh, free agency draft. Where do you feel like that? Uh, th- that's the best place to look for those that that filling that gap. I think it's definitely the draft. If you look at the free agent really class of under tackles, you have some high price guys that are a little bit older, like Indomitian Sue and Sheldon Richardson. And then you have some maybe mid-tier price guys, kind of like um, Henry Anderson is a guy that I like from the New York Jets and guys like that. But in the draft, there's just it's just chocked full with interior defenders who can really make it make an impact on the Cowboys team. Not only are there guys in the first round, like we've all heard about the Quinn and Williams, the Ed Olivers, the Jeffrey Simmonses, but it it's a deep position. And then it, it goes into the second round and a guy that I really like, and that I know you really like, and a guy who I'm actually talking about tomorrow for the Dallas morning news about contingency plans in case some of the Cowboys key free agents leave for leave in free agency uh, is Draymond yes. Jones from Ohio state. Yes. I think he would be the perfect, the perfect replacement for David Irving. He's a guy that um, is a phenomenal, phenomenal pass rusher from the interior spot. He possesses incredible bursts, side-to-side mobility. He has a deep pass rush repertoire that he uses to defeat blocks. He's just struggling a little bit against the run, and that's not to say that he can't disrupt against the run. When he is effective against the run, it's because it's his ability to penetrate and produce in the backfield, which is exactly what the Cowboys uh-huh. want to tackle. And um, But he's st- the reason why he would be available at number 58 for the Cowboys is because he's honestly pretty horrible against the run uh, consistently. He has really a lot of pad level issues. He has strength def- deficiencies right now. But from a pass rush and from a backfield disruption perspective, he's exactly what Rod Marinelli wants. And he can develop into that playmaker on the interior defensive line for the Cowboys that David Irving was previously. Yeah, I, I, we had discussed Jones because obviously you are light years ahead of me uh, as far as draft prep. I mean, I've kind of only <laughs> just started dipping my toe into it. And basically I've taken the approach that I've started to kind of look at the players that are on the boards close to where we pick, and then I'm trying to just kind of work my way out of there and just look at all those players. Just because honestly, it's like I don't have we don't have time to. I'm just not doing the whole draft class this year like I previously had. So I'm trying to focus on Cowboys specific guys, and when they don't have a first round pick, it's like you, you kind of just have to find a list and then work off of it. And he was one mm-hmm. of the guys that was you know potential spot that his landing spot could be in our range uh and and watching him and immediately i saw a guy that that felt like someone 
who would fall to the Cowboys, you know, because he he's shorter. He's like six two ish. Uh, you know, he yeah, he has no value as a as an odd front defensive tackle. Oh, I mean, no. or or as a five tech. I mean, he can't he can't yeah. do that at all. That would accentuate his weaknesses. And then the flip side of that is that his strengths are obviously line up perfectly with what we're asking for the uh, another tackle to do. So, um, I, I yeah, I think I like Draymond Jones a lot as just because I think you know what he the other part too his weaknesses can be hidden by by Marinelli to yeah. a certain degree because basically he's not going to be asked to, to do a lot of. To stack and stack yeah, he's scrimmage. gonna be asked as a penetrator and stop the run all the way to the pass, which has always mm-hmm. been that the mentality there. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, and then going back to the overall thought process, when you look at the, the roster, when you look at the group of guys that are coming out, the defensive tackle class is so stacked, and it seems like it's gonna be really that spot we're picking will be a really nice sweet spot for the defensive tackle class specifically. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Okay, let's move on to – let's just do two more positions and then we move on to some other things. Uh, yes. What's your second most uh, pressing you know, position of need going into the offseason? Uh, it's kind of a tie. I would say it's either well, – That's perfect because we got receiver, two left. So. <laughs> yeah, the, the wide receiver position with Cole Beasley likely leaving and the swing tackle position. Okay, so I would say let, those are the let, two. Let's, would you agree? I, I was well, I was going to say tight end and safety. Uh yeah, that's those are two but, good ones too. But but I think that all four of these are spots where you like a lot of the guys you've got. Um mm-hmm. but you feel like you need a little more talent in each one. Wide receiver would be more pressing especially if Beasley is gone. Yeah, um, exactly. So that's kind of where my head is. I, I, right so now. Let, let's if, start with wide receiver because I I, mm-hmm. I agree that I do think that that is uh, a spot where you know you, you if there is a quote unquote pressing need uh, that um, that that's the spot. So talk to me about you know look considering the fields that are in the draft and and in free agency, which one do you think is the better route for the Cowboys to take in order to try to fill that, that gap? If the Cowboys are looking for an immediate contributor who can immediately give uh, Cole Beasley-esque production, I think free agency is the route to go, and mainly because there's a couple of really good options. I mean, you have Tampa Bay slot receiver Adam Humphreys, yeah. who's who's kind of a slightly bigger version of Cole Beasley, who's young, who's who can grow with the offense. And then you have a guy who's my personal favorite, a guy like Jamison Crowder, mm-hmm. who from the Redskins who we've seen, who's been who's been a kind of a cowboy killer. Yes. In his, when he went healthy. He has that he's one of those guys who's lightning quick. He accelerates out of his breaks incredibly well. So he's able to create a ton of separation against slot receivers and safeties and linebackers that he may face in coverage. He's also the thing I also like about Jamison Crowder is he can kind of fulfill that Tavon Austin role in the offense as well. He he's really good on jet sweeps, tunnel screens, bubble screens, all those type of things. Yeah, and I think you know the the calculus here that's difficult is is the transition part, right? Like trying to get because especially for a slot guy, you kind of have to have somebody that has a little bit of experience if you want them to come in and be effective immediately because they have to know how to read defenses on the run, especially if they're going to be asked to do kind of option routes that sort of thing. I mean, if you want, if you're going to just put a guy out there to run routes with quickness I think you know college guys can do that to a certain degree but if you're asking a guy to run his route based on what the leverage of the cornerback is or based on the 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 changing uh the shift between pre and post snap uh looks for what the the defense is giving you in, in coverage you know those are those are kind of refined techniques that that are things that a veteran needs to do so mm-hmm. it, it's interesting because there's tons of talent at that kind of position coming out of college, but the question does beg: like, can how how many of these guys coming out are ready to step in and actually play a role and potentially catch, I don't know, forty passes next year? So uh, I, I think that's something that's that's interesting to kind of weigh in. Okay, let's do uh, offensive uh, offensive tackle, right? Or would you say offensive line and mm-hmm. offensive tackle? So yeah. Draft or uh, free agency? I would say the draft is the better because way to of go cost? Here. outside of, <laughs> outside of one name. Uh, outside of one uh-oh, name, uh-oh. the one free agent name, the guy that I would want is you. You know, I've been talking about it for years. Ty Insecki. Mm. 
I think he would be the perfect fit as a swing tackle for the Cowboys, and I think he could even uh, challenge Lyle Collins for the starting right tackle gig. I he's... think he'll be cheap. He's only 33. He's he's old, but he's relatively young in terms of NFL snaps. He's only been playing in the NFL since 2015, but he's 33. In those in that time, he's proven to be, in my opinion, the best. Swing I was gonna say, yeah, the he's the best swing tackle in football. It, and the good thing about him is, on game day, he's has he's shown the ability to play inside at guard too. And so, in a pinch, when injuries are hitting you, he can play guard if need be. Even though his effectiveness is is way less, he's way less effective from the in, inside than he is on the edge at the tackle positions. But I think he would be great at both at either. One, at left or right for the Cowboys. You know, for those two games that Tyron Smith misses every year, he would be the perfect person to step in and fill Do you think that he signs for anything less than a a crazy starter's contract, though? I think he could just because he's old. He's going to be, I think, 34 by the time uh, free agency starts. So you're not going to see teams trying to break the bank on a guy who's 34, who's never really, who only has 16 career Mm, starts. Interesting. So I think that based on those two circumstances, I think he can be, I think he's going to be, very expensive in swing tackle money, yeah. but in terms of total tackle money, I think he can be a very he can be a value. I was gonna say I, I do feel like this offseason is gonna feature a whole bunch of teams backing dump trucks full of cash over to whatever free mm-hmm. agent offensive lineman is available. I, you know that I think that will be the unusual trend that we're gonna see this year. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, not that that's unusual, but I think. People are now even further going to dump money into free agent offensive linemen um, because they're going to see Whitworth. They're going to see s- yeah. some of these s- spots where this is hit and worked. So, yeah, I think you're going to see guys like Ryan Cleveland. Oh my God, um, Matt Paradis. Yeah, I mean you already saw what's his name get paid. Bobby Yeah, yeah, and then who's the guard from from Indianapolis who just got crazy money too? Glowinski isn't a guard. Mark Glowinski. Yeah, Glowinski. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that uh, trend continues. Um, okay. So, you know, I think we kind of covered some spots that are, uh, you know, positionally going to change that, you know, we'll talk about. I mean, the, the offseason is long, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about. And I think for the positions that you were talking about, like safety, I think we all know that Earl Thomas <laughs> is, the, is the guy that I think both the Cowboys want and all the fans want, even though Landon Thomas might be – Landon Collins might be the better Yeah, I mean, just because just of his yeah. name, for, for God's sakes. Yeah. But also, yeah, I, I think in the tight end position – it's kind of a 50-50 split to me. I, I, I see a lot of really good tight ends, but I also see some some good uh, value and options in the in the free agent market as well. Um, so it really depends on what you're looking to get out of a tight end. Are you looking for a steady contributor who can kind of hold the mass until Jarwin comes on? Or are you looking to take that talent over the top and you're willing to be a little bit patient uh, and, and go for a, a draft pick? I think it's really just about what they want to do. So that'll be an interesting – and it'll be interesting to see if that position if, – if it evolves or changes at all as they start to do things a little differently. So we'll see. And speaking of doing things a little differently, we need to get into – what is supposed to be the bulk of our conversation, but goodness gracious, we're already well past 30 minutes. So uh, <laughs> we are, we'll talk about this cause there's a lot to talk about, but, uh, and then we'll get going. Um, and I'm sure next week, as soon as the quote unquote official word comes out is made, we'll be able to, we'll be able to go into it more. In depth. Offensive coordinator is obviously what we're talking about. And the, the changes that are be making there, it seems pretty clear at this point that the, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if, if Kitten is official or not yet, I mean that if it, that feels seems it seems mighty official. that feels very official. Yeah, so uh, he's gonna be the QB coach. Yeah, so uh, and I think you know Kitna and Kellen Moore, the idea of this kind of combination of that's being the the changes on the offensive side, and, and everyone's already kind of hand wringing Kellen Moore and 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 all this, and mm-hmm. um, you know, like I just I think that there's a lot of I, I I think that people just don't generally understand that that coaches that work with other coaches don't necessarily you know through osmosis take over their personalities and their play calling traits. I mean, each coach is different, and 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 ever no coach, no person who's trying to be a coach uh, is going to turn down a job. You know, if they're mm-hmm. looking for a job, so it, it's even if like Kellen Moore felt. You know, dichotomously different than, than than you know, or just on a very basis level different than Scotland. And I'm not saying he does, 
But even if he did, I don't know that he would just say, "Oh no, I'm not. I can't take that job. Our offenses are too different." You know, it's like yeah. it's. I I think people need to give Kellen Moore more of a more of a chance. Uh, and and before I let you talk about it, uh, I wanted to just get this quote in here from that just came out from Dak on Kellen Moore. Mm-hmm. He can be crazy creative. He's a phenom, one of the young phenoms in seeing the game. Knowing where the game was and this transition into into this new style of play, he sees it and he gets it. So, Boom. you know, this is uh, our current, current quarterback talking about the offensive coordinator. If everyone wants to listen to our former quarterback talk about the offensive coordinator, you're going to get – I don't know, a slightly different take. I think everyone took the Romo quote and... I think that they did with the Romo quote what he was hoping to defend against. I think the reason why he was staying silent with everything is because he didn't want the media to really jump on whatever he said and use it as a means to praise or to or to trash, really, the Cow- Jason Garrett and the Cowboys' offensive coaching staff. And I think he was trying to stay out of it. But his silence, people automatically jump to the conclusion that he doesn't believe that Kellen Moore is the right guy or that they're not going to have enough outside influence to be able to change. And two things. One, I I even predicted right away, as soon as the tweet came out, that everyone was going to ignore the first sentence, which basically says, I have no idea what it's going to look like, to be honest. Uh, and And then beyond that, what he said was actually pretty benign. I mean, you know, what what I think he was trying to stay out of the media. What he was saying was basically, you know, I don't know that a lot is going to change, which I mean, if you didn't realize that a, a ton of things weren't going to change just by proxy of you know, look, here's the and I'm going to get into this. Here's the whole thing about changing systems. You know, when you're changing a system, it's not just changing the you know the plays that are called. It's changing the type of players that you're getting to go into your system. You're changing everything. It is not an a la carte selection of being able to pull piece by out and plug in this other piece. They're all connected. So the tink obviously the changes that are going to be made are on the play calling side and potentially the personnel deployment side and then you know obviously some plays will change as well but that's those things are not the majority of the system which is basically what Romo said he said a lot of things will probably stay the same that's okay for a lot of things yeah. to say that doesn't mean People, the things will be exactly the same yeah. you know and the problem was the problem last year wasn't the system in place it was just how the system was called yes. Uh, situation yeah. you know jace everybody talks about these bunch formations and we bring it up a lot how we want to see more bunch formations more play action more of these jet sweeps more more of these motion kind of more pre-snap yes, more of these new age type of play concepts all every single one of those that we've talked about all of those are in jason garrett's system in the play they just weren't called there. they just weren't yes, called at just, the regular exactly. at, the, at the rate that we wanted which is again so the, the play the caller. system doesn't need a whole scale change you just need somebody whoever is calling the plays working within that system to change. why would you need to change the terminology when the play the stuff the kind of things that everyone's you know, complaining about and requesting are already in the playbook just no, you, you have to call it the exact <laughs> way Andy Reid and Sean McVay call it, or it doesn't count. I mean, it the exact same it's it's it it's count. everyone who wanted to get upset about that quote found a way to take it and run with it. And look, mm-hmm. I don't know that Kellen Moore is this or that. All I know is that Kellen Moore looks like a choir boy who got soaked down by a hose and <laughs> uh, and then was forced to lose another fifteen to twenty pounds. All right. That's all I know is that he looks like uh, uh, you put a dunce cap on him and he could be, uh, w- you know, uh, one of the Hardy Boys sub characters. Uh, uh, all I know is that he looks like Beasley's little brother. Uh, you know, I, I mean, Kellen Moore looks like all those things, and he still had a seven-year career in which he actually played NFL football and actually, you know. Did some things during an NFL game, despite the and fact that he's during. And while doing that, he was. Uh, playing a huge part in the game planning process. Yes. So uh, my point of all of this is that this dude took what little the Lord or whoever you want to believe provided to him and turned it into a award-winning college career in which I'm pretty sure he still has won more games than any other college quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I would think so. And then, you know, it turned it into a multi-year quarterbacking career. And, And all of that was not because of his 
charm and his good looks, guys, it was because the dude is smart and he understands football. And when you understand football on a, on a deep enough level, uh, you know, you can throw with anticipation. You can uh, you can see the way the plays are breaking down. You, you can improvise better than other guys because you understand the structure that you're operating in. And and that kind of deep understanding of game planning, of of defenses, of of scheming, of how to operate inside of a system. That's the kind of stuff you want for the guy planning your offense. So I, I look. Let's give him a chance for God's sakes. And and he doesn't necessarily need to be you know calling the plays in Linehan's proportions just because Linehan gave the dude a job a couple times like Mm -hmm. it's just it's just a little uh, a little frustrating so uh anything on more on Kellen Moore anything more on Kellen Moore uh before we uh talk about Kitna a little bit not really you know it's just that Kellen Moore obviously he wasn't the first choice any of our first choices I think both of us going into the offseason we had different candidates that we thought could be better offensive coordinators but that does not mean that kellen moore cannot be successful in as a defensive coordinator as the offensive coordinator for the or it doesn't mean that that he wasn't the best choice because what i mean dude what do we know like i I mean like we we're we're making guesses from while peering through a keyhole you know we may have Mm -hmm. a little bit more insight than i guess average fan at times but honest to god like if you can't admit to yourself that when you're outside of the building that you don't know like 90 percent of what's going on then you're not being honest with with anybody else either. We're uh, everything we're doing here is speculating. So at the very least, we should be given some evidence first before we come out and bury Kellen Moore. So, uh, okay, l- enough of that. Let's talk about something that let's I move over to the fun. Let's stuff. talk about something that I guess people are generally excited about, with which is yeah. John Kitna. Um, good good friend of the show, Bobby Belt, uh, posted a, <laughs> uh, a Twitter video of John Kitna uh, at a, giving a uh, coach's, coach's clinic. clinic. And I, I actually think you would kind of like have pushed parts of this video for him to post it, parts of these videos. Yes, I did. Um, talk to me about – well, first of all, let's talk about John Kitna generally being the quarterback's coach. What were your thoughts immediately when, when you saw that? Well, the thing about him that really strikes – that really strikes me the thing that I've heard a lot about John Kitna talking to different people and then to listening to different insiders about him is that he's a great leader he's the type of people that can galvanize a group and get guys to play for him well and I think that's really important first and foremost when you're becoming a becoming a coach and entering the NFL without much really without really any recent NFL experience coaching wise I think you have to be able to to demand that respect in in the room and I think John Kitna is the type of guy that's going to do that. And then just from a technique perspective, the thing that I really like about him is that he, especially in terms of coaching quarterbacks, is he really, really drills home about footwork. And that's the area where Dak Prescott really is deficient in most. And I think it's the biggest part about him that's holding him back from becoming one of the top, maybe, I don't know, depending on where you put him, top eight, top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I, I I'm excited. I, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Tavon. I mean, of uh, of sorry, I just saw Tavon's him name too. pop him up. Too, like of a kid. Uh, uh, I I think that um, it's interesting to me that you know clearly as soon as he retired, he went right into coaching. He was he's been coaching at the high school rankings for a while. I think he actually thought about being a scout for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's great that uh uh that he is coming back. I mean, clearly it sounds like this is someone that uh, Jason Garrett wanted a lot Mm -hmm. um, and that – Somebody he wanted last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think that this was something that, you know, this he's not necessarily a Linehan guy or or Linehan wanted – more in that spot or whatever so uh, i i think you know this is this is going to be a, a potentially a best of both worlds between the two of them working with dak and, and then the three of them kind of coming and garrett as well kind of forming and, the and offense as far as bringing the outside voice john kidna is that really that guy who's that outside voice he's been playing the high school the the high school game for the last couple of years and if you talk about his if you listen to him talk about his offensive philosophy it's really different than what the Cowboys showed in 2018. He's a guy who likes tempo. He likes to really put a foothold on the defense and really not let them come up for air. He's a guy that likes motion. He likes all these new age type concepts that everybody wants to bring to the Cowboys. He's the type of guy that in his offensive 
philosophy in his system in high school, these are all things that were used frequently. Yeah, and it's uh, it's I think it's going to be an interesting kind of blend between these guys. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the Kitna video was very interesting because it had a lot of just kind of interesting tidbits about philosophy and stuff mm-hmm. that he believes in. And one of the interesting things that they talked about was how – uh, Romo. He talked about how Romo liked to throw to uh, to stationary targets, which I thought yes. was really fascinating because uh, you know there's so much talk about you know. And he talked about how it was different from him as he liked to throw moving targets, and it showed. And he really talked about how you can have two really differing philosophies, but still two guys that could be very successful. Yeah, and it's just interesting because you know there's all this talk. You know, everyone's talking about Dak's lack of ability to throw with anticipation, and here we are, and this is him talking about how. Romo didn't necessarily love to throw with anticipation either. Like it was, he preferred to throw to guys who were standing there, getting who got open on option routes, that sort of thing. So guys who were looking. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was I thought that was interesting as well. So, mm-hmm. um, anything else? Also, oh, go ahead. Yeah, one more thing about what the John Kigner really talked is about uh, how he's gonna how he does not like his quarterbacks to be risk averse. He likes them. Like I think the example he used was Mike Martz gave him a play call and it gets too high you have to throw the dig yeah well uh in the game he's found too high but he didn't throw the dig he threw the curl and he got seven or eight yards and he was feeling really good about himself but then he got to the sideline and mike march was pissed because he got too high and he didn't throw the dig and he said i can't coach caution and that is something that really stuck stuck with kitten the rest of his career and i think that's that thing in specifically is gonna do wonders for deck yeah that really is that's that's uh that's interesting. So, uh, okay, I think that's it for guys. We got an hour long show. That should be that should be good enough for you at this point. So, uh, uh, hopefully, we'll have lots of lively discussions week to week on these, and, and I'm excited to get back into it. Uh, so, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at McCoolBCB at John Owning at Best Coast Boys with a Z at the end. A special thanks, as always, to Mike Fisher at Fish Sports. Uh, catch us all on Cowboys 247. That's 247sports.com forward slash NFL uh, forward slash Dallas dash Cowboys. You can also hear us, as always, on the Anchor app um, for your iOS phone and Google Play Android. Uh, make sure you rate and review us on iTunes and the podcast app. Uh, five stars. Don't be a hater. Uh, don't be a don't hater. do it. Uh, and until next week, happy trails, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>